0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives
1: as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the third Bible teaching program of Pastor Darryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel Treasure Valley. Today we see where Israel fails to drive out the Canaanites so the Lord won't drive out the enemy for them. It's a total setup for failure. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Judges chapter 1 on Simply the Bible. This last spring, I was a month late
0: in planting seeds for my vegetable garden in my kitchen bay window. Now it's summer and those plants are smaller than normal. It's an easy problem to understand if you don't plant the seed at the right time then your harvest will be delayed and less fruitful, or in the worst case, it may never bear fruit. By inaction, we can set ourselves up for failure. As the children of Israel took possession of the land of Canaan, we see that their compromise in neglecting to drive out the inhabitants of the land would set them up for failure, and not only for them, but also future generations. And the remainder of the book of Judges is a depressing account of that failure. But it provides valuable lessons for us so that we don't repeat their same mistakes. We pick it up in Judges 1.22. And the house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. So the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel. The name of the city was formerly Luz. And when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city, and we will show you mercy. So he showed them the entrance to the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a city, and called its name Luz, which is its name to this day. Now in Joshua 12:16. We're told that Joshua had taken the city of Bethel, but the Canaanites seem to have reoccupied it. And as the house of Joseph, that is Ephraim and Manasseh, attacked it a second time, the Lord was with them. That's the secret to success in any endeavor. Because if God is for us, then who can be against us? But, the way they took this city was different from how Joshua made his conquests. They spied on the city and found a man coming out. Then they offered him freedom if he would show them the entrance to the city. With this intel, they then took the city. Now, their plan seemed to have worked, but when they let the man go, he built another city by the same name among the Hittites. Now, was this what God commanded? God told them to utterly destroy these cities and leave no survivors. When Rahab hid the spies at Jericho, she showed faith in the Lord. And when her household was spared, she lived among the children of Israel. She is even included in the genealogy of Christ. But this man showed no faith in the Lord and instead dwelt with one of the nations that God commanded Israel to destroy, the Hittites. He transplanted this heathen city of Luz in a new location. The house of Joseph, rather than exercising the courageous conquests of Joshua, was already on the road of compromise. Verse 27. However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and its villages, or Taanach and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibliam and... And its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but did not completely drive them out. Now we enter a very depressing record of failures, beginning with the tribe of Manasseh. In each of these cases, Israel failed to drive out the enemies of the Lord as he commanded them. The reason given is that the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. Well, of course they were. We can't really blame the Canaanites for wanting to stay in their own cities and homes. These were strongholds. But didn't God know that the Canaanites had strongholds when he commanded his people to destroy them? And didn't God already tell them that he had given them the land? Their failure was not on God's part and it wasn't because of the strongholds of the enemy. The failure was on the part of Israel who lacked strength and courage to finish the task God had given them. They allowed complacency rather than commitment to determine the outcome. Now, we have enemy strongholds today our enemies are the flesh the world and the devil if you have a besetting sin in your life that you haven't been able to conquer then that is a stronghold in your flesh in addition as we look at our government education and media we realize that there are strongholds of thought that are opposed to God and his word these are strongholds in the world and such strongholds are beachheads of Satan. So are we going to make a peace treaty with them or are we going to destroy them? Now, I'm not saying we are to go blow up media towers. Unlike Israel, we don't use physical weapons, but spiritual weapons. The apostle Paul says in second Corinthians 10, three for though, We walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is how we effectively wage the good warfare. We don't want to fall into the same trap as the Israelites by making a covenant with God's enemies. Now, when Israel became stronger, it no doubt seemed like a good idea to let the Canaanites live and put them under forced labor rather than driving them out. I mean, that seems so harsh. But God had good reasons for why he told them to destroy them or drive them out rather than taking them as slaves. Many times we think we know better than God. But I have found that God's ways are always right. If we neglect them and go our own way and do our own thing, then it is to our own peril and heartache. Verse 29. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. So the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalal, so the Canaanites dwelt among them and were put under tribute. Nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Alab, Akzib, Helba, Aphek, or Rehob. So the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath, but they dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath were put under tribute to them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. And the Amorites were determined to dwell in Mount Heres, in Ajalon, and in Sheolbim. Yet when the strength of the house of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. Now the boundary of the Amorites was from the ascent of Akrabim, from Selah and upward. So we see that all these tribes disobeyed God's command by allowing these nations to coexist with them. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim, and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Then they called the name of that place Bokim and they sacrificed there to the Lord. Now, it's significant that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal. Gilgal was the place where after they first crossed the Jordan River, God commanded them to circumcise all the males. They hadn't done it for the 40 years of wilderness wandering. So after they did that, they called it Gilgal, which means roll away because they had rolled away the reproach of Egypt. After that, the angel of the Lord, really the commander of the Lord's armies, appeared to Joshua to encourage him. Now, whenever we see the angel of the Lord and it's speaking in the first person as the Lord, then we believe that that is Jesus Christ in a a pre-incarnate manifestation called a theophany. So here we have Jesus appearing to them in the same place where he had appeared to them previously. You could really say this was a come to Jesus meeting. And the first thing that he does is point out God's faithfulness. He said, I led you up from Egypt. I brought you into the land, which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I'll never break my covenant with you. And you are to not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, but tear down their altars. You see, God had been faithful to his covenant in every way. He had brought them into the land. He had gone before them. He had given them victory over the enemies that they went to war with. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? They hadn't upheld their end of the bargain by compromising and making a pact with these enemies. Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your side and their gods shall be a snare to you. And that is the way it is when we decide that we want to be friends with the world. The things that we think are going to bring pleasure to us end up being thorns in our side and leading us into a trap. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words that the children of Israel lifted up their voices and wept. But were they really repentant? No, they weren't because they didn't stop what they were doing. They didn't go from that place and then make war against the enemies. They sacrificed to the Lord. They wept, but there was no genuine repentance. And in all these things, they set themselves up for failure. Likewise, we can be preparing for success or failure. God will drive out the enemies of the land, but we must do our part. If we make a peace treaty with the things God hates, if we love this world or we indulge our flesh, then he will no longer drive those things out, but they will become thorns in our sides and a snare to trap us. May God help us. Make war with the things that he is making war with, with the spiritual weapons of our warfare
1: that are mighty in God. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the the through-the-Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will see where Israel turns from the Lord to serve the Baals. This sets up a terrible cycle of retribution, repentance, revival, and relapse that continues throughout this period of the Judges. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Judges on Simply the Bible.